Hello everybody and welcome to the fourth of the Spanish chats. Um, it's, it's, it's been amazing, these, these, these last Spanish chats, the response I've got from everyone. Uh, thank you all for your support, thank you very much for your comments. Um, very glad that you're finding the videos useful uh, and hopefully encouraging you to either seek other areas of development, uh, take your career further within EOT. We have a lot of people coming up, um, not only in this Spanish chat, but in further Spanish chats, so, so stay tuned. Uh, last week I had the pleasure and the privilege to sit down with uh, Monica Budapici, and, uh, who's a trainer based out of the UK. Uh, we, we got to, to speak about many things, really. Um, we got to speak about uh, her experience as a teacher, moving into teacher training, uh, becoming a, a sort of TESOL trainer, um, her experience on pre-service and in-service training, um, and how they might be different. Um, she is also a blogger um, and has uh, written a, a load of things, and so she, she explained some of her, her motivations behind that. And, and of course, we looked at some advice uh, for teachers that are perhaps looking to make similar moves, um, looking to move into teacher training themselves. So take a look, or if you're listening on, on, on one of the other platforms, um, and uh, let us know what you think. Um, feel free to leave comments. Uh, if you have any questions for either Monica or myself, uh, please leave them down below and we will try and get back to you as soon as possible. Um, please give us a thumbs up uh, and don't forget to subscribe. Uh, and of course, stay tuned, there's more to come. All right, thanks guys, bye. Hi Monica. Hi Jim, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Uh, first of all, thanks, thanks for being here this morning. Um, well, thank you very much for inviting me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, well, first of all, uh, I suppose we should give everyone a rundown of, of why we're here. Um, yeah. So the purpose of, of Sponge Chats is really to speak with um, trainers. Uh, so I'm just going to change yeah, I'm going to change the gallery here. Okay. Uh, speak to trainers, uh, materials developers, academic managers from around the world um, and get their take on how they got to where they are now. Um, and hopefully uh, by providing teachers with an understanding of where other teachers have taken these routes, we can encourage teachers to, one, stay within the industry uh, and and help retention, I think, uh, and two, hopefully increase professionalism by you know encouraging more development opportunities for teachers, um, and see that yes, we have kind of a closed industry, but there are opportunities for for people that do want to stay and and develop themselves as, as language teachers. Um, now you yourself, uh, I mean you've 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 gone through the teaching phase, you've moved into teacher training. Um, if, I, if I'm, I mean, you're also blogging, uh, and if I'm correct, you're also like a cert TESOL trainer as well. So if you could give us a rundown of Monica, who, who is Monica? <laughs> that would be amazing. Right, um, okay. So how long have you got? <laughs> so um, started off um, with the um, Trinity TESOL qualification in 2009. Mm -hmm. And uh, funnily enough, um, I mean, I was so amazed by the knowledge of the trainers there. I, I remember one morning during one of the um, 
input sessions thinking, okay, I'm going to be one of them one day. (laughs) And that was, you know, that's probably how it all started with the teacher training, you know, even before I had become a teacher. Um, But anyway, so um, you you then get engrossed in the learning to become a decent teacher that you forget any future dream. I, I mean, that's what happened to me. You know, I was so into the teacher mode Um, because I realized that one thing is being a teacher one Mm. thing is being a good teacher yeah and um, there is a massive difference and I think the difference is well you know you can kind of uh, fill the gap in this difference by developing but what I mean by developing is taking upon yourself the responsibility of development yeah Um, you can't always rely on the school that you work for to provide um, the the develop the, the you know the CPD and the workshops. I've I have to be honest. I've been lucky in right. my teaching career. I most of the schools I worked for they always provided good training sessions. Brilliant. Uh, but but sometimes that's not enough. Right. It obviously depends on the person. For yeah. me, it wasn't enough. So I decided to take it upon myself and to read and read and read and observe and and watch videos and listen to more experienced teachers so that's how i you know developed yeah um so after so i after the celta uh, sorry after the trinity so i um taught for a year in the czech republic then a year in the north of italy in between um those I did a couple of um, summer schools in the UK um, then I came back to the UK and I started teaching in yeah <laughs> started teaching in um, Cambridge I stayed there for a few years about three years yeah. um, I became senior teacher and I think that's when I realized and even before me my academic manager realized that perhaps it was time for me to move forward Um, and getting involved into uh, teacher training so started I started giving some you know workshop running some workshops Um, not only by myself but sometimes I wanted uh, to collaborate with other teachers Um, so yeah so that that was uh, a very positive experience Um, then after that I thought okay I want something you know, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I felt the need to be validated as a teacher training, uh, as a teacher trainer by someone else. Right. And um, I had the opportunity to work in London um, for a school that they, they were looking for an assistant teacher trainer hmm. to work, you know, to be trained up to become an official teacher trainer for right. Trinity TESOL. And um, I was very lucky there. I had a wonderful, wonderful mentor. And um, so, yeah, that's how I became a, a, an accredited Trinity um, TESOL teacher trainer. Mm. And that was such an amazing experience. Yeah, Honestly, I, I, um, I strongly advise anyone who wants to get into teacher training to, you know, at after a bit of experience because you do need some experience Mm. but to get involved and um, become 
uh, a Trinity uh, trainer that, yeah. because it's a process. Um, it's quite, it's not, a, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a complex process. It's quite straightforward, but it does, um, it's full on. Yeah. So you started by observing that like a full course, you need to observe um, the input sessions. You take notes um, and you start, you know, creating your mind how how you would run that session, what you would change, what you would keep, uh, what you would add. Um, and then in the second course, you keep observing, but you have the chance to um, give some sessions. So run some sessions yourself. Um, obviously, in the afternoon, you have to um, give feedback to the trainee teachers. Mm. And that's it's a learning curve by itself. Yeah. Um, because you need to kind of um, learn to be kind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm quite I'm quite strict. Okay. <laughs> with not just with others, but with myself as well. Yeah. Um, so I had to learn to be okay to remind myself that you know they're learning. They're not teachers yet. Yeah. So you can't expect the standard that you would expect from. Uh, from teachers to from qualified teachers yeah so yeah um yeah and then finally you 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 know you run you, you are observed while running a course by yourself yeah and um and then they you submit some sort of uh um not something like a review of your learning process to trinity and they approve it or not <laughs> in my case they approved it and then that's how you you become accredited Brilliant. but it's a honestly wonderful process yeah um it sounds like it sounds like it's quite in depth um and uh, along the way did you did you do delta did you complete your delta oh yeah that? sorry yeah. yes yeah <laughs> forgot uh, about that <laughs> yeah um i think it was three four three years into teaching Right. Uh, ten, yeah, yeah. Three years into teaching, then uh, I did uh, the Delta, not in order. I didn't do module one, two, so I did one, three, two. Uh, I did. I did the same. I did the same. Yeah. Um, same way. And, and which parts did you enjoy the most? Which of oh. the three modules? I mean, I think module one was the least enjoyable for me, but I think it's the one that I think all teachers should do. Um, the one that I benefited from the most, I think, was module two in terms of a teacher. Um, and I mean, understanding a specific context, module three was, I thought, was, was amazing because I, my focus was teaching in a monolingual context in Italy. And, um, and I did the opposite. You did? did teaching in a multilingual right. <laughs> context. <laughs> well, I suppose that's more relevant to you uh, who's teaching in the UK. Um, yeah. And for me at the time, I, I was in Italy. Um, but I mean, in terms of what I found, probably the, the most useful was module two. Uh, what I think all teachers should do as a minimum is module one. Um, but then I also think module three has its has its merits and uh, really develops you looking at the bigger picture. Um, yeah. What about yourself? Uh, I agree with you. I think I think module one, um, I think is the one that needs to be done first because yeah. it kind of lays a foundation. One hundred percent. You know, it helps you understand how the materials are put together and the thinking behind it all. So that's a foundation. Um, then the one that 
made me develop, seriously yeah. develop as a teacher and be very critical about my teaching is yeah. module two. Yeah, 100%. But I have to say, I loved doing module three. Yeah, I it enjoyed fun. it. I, I enjoyed all the research and the, yeah, no, I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, no, it, it was a tough thing to do, but yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. Um, I think you did it through through Bell, is that correct? You you did it through yes. you did your, yes. okay. Obviously, an amazing provider there. Um, your I imagine your tutors must have been phenomenal. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was lucky enough to do mine through ITI in Istanbul um, with Sally Hurst and the team there. A phenomenal experience. Um, I suppose from a training perspective, I was speaking to uh, Rachel Sateri, um, and you know, looking at. The, the, what Delta actually provides you as, as a trainer. Um, and I think we, we both kind of agreed that Delta doesn't make you a trainer, but it makes you very critical of yourself as a, as a teacher. And I think that's kind of a prerequisite to being a good or effective trainer. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I'm not well, saying that you have to do Delta to be or a dip tea sold or anything to be a trainer, but you need to be critical of yourself as a teacher before being an effective trainer. Yes, but it is true. You're right in saying that you don't need to have a Delta or Deep Diesel to become a trainer. But without that critical um, quality, you know, that the characteristic of being critical about yourself and your teaching, yeah. um, you, you can't really be a good trainer. And the best and quickest way to become so critical is to go through the Delta. Yeah. Or Deep Tiso. Um, and I'm saying this because I think, I mean, for me, it was very difficult to, um, not so much, I mean, yeah, okay, I'm going to be honest here. It was difficult to accept criticism. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it was difficult because I could see that the students enjoyed my lessons and they rated me, you know, as a, as a teacher. But then I learned to understand that sometimes only because the students are enjoying the lessons, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's quality teaching. Yeah, that's a good point. If you see what I mean. Yeah. So I had to take on board the criticism and, and I had to take on board all the comments related to, you know, a lesson, how to structure a lesson and and how to achieve your aims and, and all that, you know, yeah. especially at the beginning, you know, then we can have the discussion about whether achieving your aims is that important or not. And that's a different story. Um, but, you know, when you're learning, when you're developing as a teacher, it is yeah. important that you are able to provide a lesson and to create a lesson that is, um, that can get to the aims, can yeah. achieve the aims. Yeah. You know, then you can choose whether you want to go off on a tangent with your students and follow where they want to go or, you know, carry on um, to, to achieve the aims. You know, that's a different story, but you need to be able to, to make it happen. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if, if I'm making any sense here. No, no, no. no. I, I think that's a, an important thing, especially if you're going to be evaluating teachers or uh, providing feedback to teachers, whether it's developmental or assessment. Uh, you know, you like yourself on a cert TESO course, you're, you're assessing teachers, but there's also the development factor as well. Within service teachers, you're providing development feedback, but 
without that experience, I think, of being critical of your own planning and, and execution of lessons, um, I think you're lacking validity as a, as it is as 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 a trainer. Um, yeah. So, and, and like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do a Kisola or a Delta, but um, like you said, it's perhaps one of the quickest and and most uh, well known routes um, to being pushed very much pushed to be critical uh <laughs> exactly exactly it's yeah yeah that that's exactly what you're saying you're getting it yeah there. you're hitting a nail on the head yeah uh, brilliant um i want to go back to um looking at your development as a trainer so moving from it as a, as a senior teacher into teacher training um it seems like you were provided with that opportunity um and is is, yeah. is is that is that correct like there was management that supported you in 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 giving you those opportunities they did um maybe maybe i'm making it sound more straightforward than it actually was but <laughs> <laughs> um uh i yeah i think so like i mentioned before i i was well into my own development yeah. and i think because of that, um, the other teachers uh, that I worked with, they um, they asked me for advice. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what they saw. I, I wasn't in their mind, so I, I have no idea. But they asked me for help in planning lessons, creating activities, and the the management at the time. They must have you know, picked up on that, yeah. they must have noticed it. So they decided to um, push me, and I mean literally push me to uh, uh, de delivering some some of the workshops. Yeah. I was terrified of it. I have to be honest with you. I, I loved the idea of doing it, but I was terrified purely because I thought at the time, I thought, what have I got to give what have I got to share mm. that others don't know already because I was one of the newest um, qualified teachers the others were a lot more experienced and I thought why what can I offer yeah um, they must have seen something that I couldn't see yeah. um, and that's how you know I, I started at the beginning my <laughs> probably were terrible at the beginning <laughs> My, my workshops were probably looked more like um, lectures and I don't yeah. know, it was awful. But, but you learn, don't yeah, you? Of you course, learn from that. Yeah. I, uh, I, also, another thing that I decided to do, um, I prepared like, um, um, like a template to give out at the end of the, every workshop that I run um, for teachers to um, fill out anonymously um, and with questions like, um, what did you basically asking feedback yeah. about the, the session, but not only about the topic, but also about me and about the way the 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 workshop was structured, the way it was presented, the materials used, the topic, everything. Mm. And because it was anonymous, you know, teachers they, they were quite were free to open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I would collect them all, go through them, and use them, you know, and inform, with that, you know, I would inform my new, my, my next um, workshop. Yeah. And that was a learning curve as well. You know, again, taking criticism, mm. learning to take feedback. It's it's a continuous development. 
100 percent. I completely agree. And uh, I think it was with Chris, um, one of the other Spanish chats, he was saying that the teachers that you work with, like in your own context, can sometimes be the hardest audience. Um, you know, and receiving that feedback, I can remember my first sessions, like yourself, love the idea, very nervous, perhaps was a little much too like a lecture, um, you know, and but receiving that feedback really, really helped me um, develop as a trainer and providing those sessions. Um, but I, I suppose I was quite lucky as well, like in, in yourself, uh, like as, as yourself, I was provided with a number of opportunities to develop as a trainer, um, which I think is, is an important aspect in terms of looking at management and how we can promote teacher training is providing teachers, you know, with the opportunity to deliver a workshop doesn't mean they're going to move into teacher training, but they're going to have the, the opportunity to experience what delivering a workshop is like, um, and also providing maybe opportunities to, to be involved in mentoring and looking at that. I think that's important in, in providing opportunities for teachers to see if it's something that they would like to do. Exactly. I was, I was exactly going to say that, yeah. Because if you don't experience something, you don't know whether you're going to enjoy it or not. Because sometimes we might like the idea of something, we get to do it and we're like, oh, actually, that's not for me. Yeah. So if you don't experience mentoring, if you don't experience giving a workshop or, a, or you know, any form of CPD session, if you don't experience it, you don't actually know yeah. whether it's something for you or not. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But it, I think there, is a, there are a number of things, a number of factors um, in order to become a teacher trainer. I think... First of all, you need to have the interest in development. You've got to be interested in it, in development as just development um, for the sake of development. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you you need to you need to have a bit of luck. Like in every situation, you need to be maybe uh, in the right place at the right time with the right people. I don't know. Maybe there is a bit of that as well. And um, and also, I would say, you know, you need to have the guts because you do need to have the guts to experiment. Yeah. Um, experiment. But this, you know, not, not only when you are a, te a trainer already, but before that, when you are a teacher, experiment, read up on different methodologies, different ways of delivering lessons, different types of an experiment. Yeah. Tell your students, okay, today we're gonna try something new. Mm. And at the end, you tell me if you like, if you don't like it, why you don't like it, and you can have a discussion with them. Yeah. Um, but when you start experimenting, then you lose a bit of that fear because um, we all have, or I think most teachers have fear of losing control yeah. of their lesson, of their class. But when you experiment and you and your students know um, that it's an experiment mm. and everybody's open-minded, then you know that something might go wrong. So you approach it with that frame of mind. Yeah. And that fear, you kind of lose that fear. Mm. And you develop something else, which is the flexibility and adaptability. I don't even know if it's a, if it's a word, adaptability, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to uh, adjust to a situation. Yeah. You know, it, something might go wrong, but, you know, we can always fix it. We can always make it better. And, 
you know so so i think yeah there are some factors that determine your your path to teacher training oh brilliant yeah i i, I completely agree um uh, speaking about the path as we as we go on um, I imagine that you encountered various challenges along the way. You mentioned providing feedback, um, making your sessions you know, effective in a sense. Um, so what were some of the biggest challenges and how did you overcome some of those challenges? And perhaps if we could focus a little bit more on feedback as we go through this. Uh, do you mean like giving feedback or receiving feedback or both? Uh, both but i would i would assume from for me it would be providing feedback in an effective manner um but i'd like to get your take on some of the challenges and how you overcame them yeah definitely giving feedback is um it was <laughs> it was a challenge in the sense that um i'm a very direct person mm. um and uh, <laughs> i had to uh develop the skill of diplomacy and uh, tact, mm. <laughs> which is something that I wasn't uh, born with. Right. <laughs> so uh, I had to, yeah. Um, so what I do now, so, well, yeah, the, it was difficult. I had to sit down with, so the, the mentor that was guiding me through providing feedback in my first original you know, Trinity TESOL course mm -hmm. uh, when I was training to become a teacher trainer. Um, she kept reminding me about the people in front of me, you know, the, who they were, as in they are, uh, they're not yet teachers. They are doing their best. Remember that this person, remember the personality. So I've had to, learn to really see who I've got in front of me mm. not just in terms of okay he's a person or she's a person who wants to become a, uh, a teacher but this is a person with this characteristic with this personality with these strengths and with these weaknesses mm. how can I mold the feedback that I've got in my mind what I want to say how can I mold it to become a bit more uh, maybe gentle, mm. but at the same time hit home, you know, yeah. kind of, I, I, want, I had to find a compromise between what I wanted to say it and how I had to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, th that is um, something that I had to learn and yeah. Yeah, one of um, one of my uh, academic managers in the past, she always used to say to me, Monica, remember that not everybody has the same standards as you. Remember that not everyone, you know, sees things the way you see them yeah. and not everyone cares as much as you do. Mm. So, you know, I always had to remember, you know, this remember who you've got in front of you yeah so that that was a big challenge no, well, <laughs> and I, it took me years yeah okay. I, I think it's still something I'm developing now um and you almost you know you're looking at the types of interventions you want with teachers and it's very much 
based on many factors from personality, experience, you know, cultural influences. There are, there are many things to take in consideration. And I think that becomes even more uh, difficult when you're working in a multilingual environment. So for example, when I'm here working with teachers that have worked predominantly in a, in a Spanish teaching context or uh, come from a, a background that I'm familiar with, for example, from Australia or from the UK or from Spain, um, I imagine working in a multilingual context with teachers that are from all over the world. There's many factors to consider there. Um, yeah. And it's also, you know, trying to, as you said, be gentle, but hit home is, is, is one thing that, that, that's, that's very difficult. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, one way that I've, that I've tried to reflect is that I record my, my feedback sessions um, and I, I listen back to them. And I can remember some of the first ones that I only started recording them this year at the start. And uh, they certainly weren't bad. You know, I've improved a lot over the years, but I can still see now, you know, either I wasn't direct enough there and that feedback was ineffective largely and it wasn't taken on. Or um, there were ways and perhaps I could have said something different or used different types of questioning to get them to come to that same conclusion. Um, so I, I've, like yourself, found that and still I'm developing with that now. Um, yeah. But it's funny how you just mentioned that you perhaps you weren't direct enough or yeah, whereas mm. I've got, I had the opposite problem. I was too direct. Yeah. So I think this is a kind of a cultural difference, perhaps, yeah. maybe even between me and you. Yeah, um, yeah. That would, uh, yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's um, and it's all about making those those interventions that we get involved in as effective as possible. Um, and I suppose one of the differences what I like to focus on, I haven't actually taught on any pre-service courses. Um, I, I'm not a cert TESOL trainer or a social trainer. I would like to be in the future, but I've dealt mainly with in-service teachers uh, with development programs within academies over, over a certain year. Um, what are some of the differences then between sort of pre-service courses and, and dealing with teachers there compared to in-service courses where there's perhaps an established development program throughout the whole year? Well, like you mentioned earlier, one of the factors is experience. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know that, you know, pre-service, then you, you know that they are a blank canvas. You know that you know, there are some assumptions. So you expect them to be there because they've invested money, time, effort. Um, you expect them to, to be um, eager and you expect them to be excited about, about it. Mm. Uh, it. It's not always true, but the majority, right. yeah. Um, and you expect them to, to work really hard to pass the course at the end, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I think I, that's probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much because of the excitement, their excitement. And, you know, we kind of fed off each other's excitement. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, with, the, with the, you know, um, in-service teachers is a bit different. Um, it, if, if it's, if it's um, a training course with teachers that you work with, um, then you can, it's, it's very different because you know the experience they've had, you know them personally. So you know, you probably have already observed 
their lessons, you've observed them in their classes. So you know what their weaknesses and what their strengths are. Mm. Um, so in a way you can tailor made, make your, their, the, the sessions for them. Yeah. Um, and you know how to engage them. So even, you know, the activities that you decide to create for the session, they can be engaging for them, for the specific audience, because you've got the advantage of knowing them. Yeah. On the other hand, the downside to it is that they are already probably overworked um, in the sense that they are already teaching God knows how many hours. And, and on top of that, they've got admin to deal with, you know, the usual stuff that teachers go through. And, um, and perhaps they don't have that enthusiasm, motivation, to do that extra hour, hour and a half a week uh, when they could be, you know, having that time off. Yeah. Uh, instead, they are, they are doing a training course. And I think I found probably that is the biggest challenge. Mm. Um, and I think that's how the conversation started between me and you with uh, talking about t motivating teachers um, yeah. in uh, teacher training. Yeah, so... That's probably the biggest issue. Yeah, yeah. I, and um, I, I, I still now, I still don't know how, you know, I haven't figured out an effective way of overcoming that pro problem. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a tough it's, one, isn't it's it? It's a tough one. It's a tough one because, um, you know, it's, it's fine for me as the trainer to say, you know, training helps you become a better teacher, which helps us make our learners more successful, you know, which is great for the business, all these sorts of things. But then you look at it from the other perspective as a teacher, like, well, mate, I'm working this many hours. Why do I need to come in for this hour and, and focus on this? Um, and there are many other factors as well. For example, looking at teachers that have been teaching for many years, um, and feel like they, there's no need to develop anymore, which which I disagree with. Um, Me too. But, <laughs> I disagree too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so you, you're dealing with a lot of these factors. Um, and on top of that, development is usually unpaid. It's usually part of the contracts you're expected to to this. So there's already this top down factor of, you know, we're we're making you do this. Um, and so, like you said, in terms of finding the the one weapon against, you know, teacher demotivation or a motivation. Um, I, it's, I don't, I haven't found it yet, Monica. I haven't found no. it. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone, anyone has. So, <laughs> but you know, some schools, um, they get really creative with um, thinking or coming up with ways to allure uh, teachers into the, the sessions. Um, yeah. Some, some school, some, Academies, they they um, they pay yeah. for that hour and a half or hour, whatever. Some um, decide to do um, some voluntary sessions and some compulsory, compulsory sessions. sessions yeah. um, others offer like a mini buffet. Um, I've 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 seen many different techniques. <laughs> Oh yeah, to to uh, attract teachers, but to be honest with you, I don't think any um, work entirely. No. Um, 
because at the end of the day, the motivation, and I know it might sound really corny and cheesy, but the motivation does come from within. Yeah. It, it, this, at least this for in this um, context, yeah. it does come from within. If you don't have the, um, that inner feeling of wanting to become, or let's say improve, for lack yeah. of a better word, in your profession. Mm. If you think that you, because you've had 20 years of experience, teaching experience, then you think you are up here and you reach the top and that is it for you, then that's when you just kind of, you know, Start I think it goes down yeah. a slippery slope. Um, yeah, this was a, I mean, Mm, uh, one of the people I work with, she has this this thing. Uh, she works. She's a trainer herself, and she works with many, many, many teachers. And uh, she, there are teachers that have been teaching for twenty years and have been developing for twenty years. But then there are teachers that have been teaching for twenty years but have had the same year of teaching twenty times. Yes. You know. <laughs> so there's. I think there's a difference there as well. And there is and, a massive difference. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I, the one thing that I, that I do think, and I, I'm very strong in my opinion about this, is that, uh, yes, I agree that within teachers, obviously we want to develop teachers to be a, you know, that autonomous teacher. But this is where I think the, the, the academies, the institutions themselves, have a massive role to play in not only making sure that development is developmental and not too administrative, but also making it so that it's not stigmatized that you know an observation isn't sprung on you an hour before and and you're just like oh, you know to, to making it in the sense that you know it's supportive as opposed to almost i don't know tyrannical um but and this is where i think that you know we really need to think about how we're doing development um it's also one of the things that i suppose if I were to give advice to new teacher trainers to, is to be aware of this factor of yeah. teachers and how they feel towards development and their experiences with development in that same institution or other schools. Um, yeah, but it also the, the, the perception of development, what, what development is, because yes, so far I've just mentioned, you know, CPDs and, and, and uh, workshops, but like you just mentioned now, um, observation, Mm. observations that's a massive uh, it's got a massive role in in development um and and most teachers are terrified of being observed i mean yeah. it's normal i guess to be scared of it but um i remember once you actually reminded me there was um, a time that i wanted to help well, I wanted to overcome this fear myself as well, but mm. also wanted to help others. Um, so I thought, okay, um, one day in a staff meeting, I announced, I said, okay, from now on, my door is always open. If you want to come and observe anyone without any, you know, any official uh, announcement, you, you can just let me know two minutes before the lesson. Yeah. Monica, I would like to observe and it'll be fine. I'll just set up an extra chair or whatever, and, and you're always welcome. I have to say, um, everybody responded well to my, you know, offer, uh, but in practice, only probably 
three out of the, I don't know if how many teachers we had at the time, let's say around about 20. Yeah. Uh, three out of more or less 20 teachers uh, came to observe. Yeah. Um, and I thought, why? I mean, I would jump to the opportunity, you know, and just going to observe anyone really. Um, but I then I realized that it went back to the fact that they were overworked. They were already working like six to eight teaching hours a day. And, and uh, they, you know, to have that hour mm. to come and observe me, they would have had to sacrifice that hour of their own teaching yeah. and the school would have had to find a substitute for them. So to replace them with someone else. And that would have, cre- it, it was, it just became madness. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so it was a practical aspect, not the, not that they weren't interested, they were interested and they liked the idea. And, um, but it was, the practicality of it that yeah. made it really difficult which was sad really it, it, but, it is know. it is yeah that's it that's right I mean one note on that in, a, in our academy we um so my director and I we we organize peer observations but we actually cover their class so when they have a peer observation if they like to we, we we go in and we cover their class and they can do the thing but we have a very small academy so in terms of that being possible we can do that uh, for, for, for a number of academies it's just logistically it's, it's very very difficult yeah um, but uh, anyway that's another thing um, yes <laughs> now obviously we're speaking about development um, and yes. I'd, I'd like to shift the focus on to you now um, oh. and obviously you've you've you, you've done the teacher you've become a trainer certified delta all this sort of stuff um, but how do you develop now um, I suppose there are two things that I'd like to focus on that I think you're going to mention uh, one, the developing teacher, your blog, and uh, two, I believe you're publishing materials. Um, so are these your development focuses now or or where are you going? Everything is kind of merging into one. The one, right? So, so yeah. So, well, first of all, when if I, if I want to look at, um, just if I want to isolate the uh, aspect of teacher training um, for my own personal development, uh, well, I know that I need to um, keep up to date mm. uh, with everything, with not only methodologies, but also um, different types of uh, lessons, not just for me, but also, you know, for, for trainees. And I just, I read a lot, everything that is about teaching, yeah. <laughs> pretty much everything. Um and I also, um, I'm, I'm getting into uh, listening to podcasts, which is something that, I don't know, I, I, I'd never thought about doing before, but I am, you know, getting into and kind of discovering yeah. different podcasts and listening, um, reading other people's blogs. Uh, yeah. And um, also there's... Um, through uh, Trinity, um, if you're part of their pool of uh, teacher trainers, they send you um, some tasks once a year. Um, and they send you a video and a lesson plan of a trainee. Um, and you need to basically give your feedback. Um, 
and um, and that's another way of you know um, experiencing uh, development and um, yeah so so that's that's one thing that's what I do for you know my own personal development and then and then also you know my my career just uh, went off on a tangent when uh, I started uh, uh, materials writing um, just happened as a coincidence you know just uh, a friend of mine ex-colleague she was getting into materials writing at the time and uh, she said oh Monica I've got too much work can you help me out with this so yeah. you know I started helping her out I really enjoyed it and I you know got into it a bit more I contacted publishers directly and I got a bit of work out of it you know and, and I'm still developing in that sense but I guess yeah that you know, um, materials writing, teaching, teacher training, that all goes hand in hand because it, it's all part of the same family kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, um, and I kind of rediscovered recently, rediscovered my, my passion for teacher training. Um, and I thought, well, what about combining the two things that I really enjoy, materials writing and teacher training and yeah. offering something that is not that readily available mm. because I, I remember when I was still well when I was initially developing as a teacher trainer I I didn't know where to look for help I didn't know how to put a um a, a workshop together and that's that's why they were so bad at the beginning because I really didn't know how and where to find help yeah. and I thought surely other people are now in the same situation that I was then yeah. and and maybe I can give a little bit of support um, and I thought yeah well I'm gonna create a section separate from a blog because the blog are my own personal reflections on ELT topics whether they're right or wrong they are reflections and experience, you know, personal. Yeah. Um, but with the other section, which is like you mentioned, the developing teacher, that is a bit more, a bit more serious, you know, a bit more, <laughs> more professional <laughs> or tries to be a bit more professional. Um, so basically it's, you can call it like a blog post, but you know, it's like an article about the, the first one was about um, listening so um, teaching, not testing, listening skills. Yeah. Um, and there is a, in the article, there's a sample, a standard sample listening lesson. Uh, and basically I'm criticizing that sample lesson, which is a lesson that I would have normally used without thinking twice about it. But yeah. now, you know, with a trainer's eyes, I can see where it goes wrong and why. And it's not necessarily a bad lesson, but it doesn't achieve the, the aim of teaching listening skills. And it's more like a testing. testing yeah. um, and, you know, so, so talk about listening skills in general. Um, and then I also offer a, uh, like, a, so I offer some slides um, that can be used, they, they can be, downloaded for free, adapted. Um, they, can, they can be used as a starting point 
for a new teacher trainer, maybe a new senior teacher or, or, a, or a teacher with some experience who is trying to progress and develop. Yeah. And, you know, so I thought this is something that I haven't seen much of. Yeah, you're right. And, yeah. And I thought, why not? No, I think I think it's brilliant. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And in yourself, like you said, you're also developing in that. So developing materials for trainers, I think, is is even perhaps even more difficult than developing materials for teachers. Um, Obviously, trainers are very much, you know, the more experienced trainers you get, we're very critical of even ourselves and other trainers. Um, and but like you said, no, there is not a lot of uh, readily available materials for trainers to experiment with. Um, and I, there are a number of books in, in the works from, from, from Cambridge and, and a few others that are looking to, to change that. Um, but it's still, I, I really like the initiative and I'd like to get to that stage as well. Obviously, I develop a lot of my own workshops. Don't know if I'm ready to put them up on, on, on the web oh. just yet. Just yet. But don't but get we'll me get wrong. There. I mean, I mean, I'm not doing it with confidence. I mean, I'm I'm doing it with um I'm hoping that whatever I post there can be helpful. Yeah. I am, you know, hopeful, but I am prepared to receive some <laughs> criticism. Feedback. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because because you know, obviously like I said, I'm, take, I'm trying to take a more professional approach in the sense that I do research before writing it down and before course, yeah. putting it out there. Um, but at the same time, you know, there will be, probably there might be there some sort of uh, bias, you know, some personal of course. agenda. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so that could be criticized in many ways, but I mean, I just hope that people can take can take something good out of it, yeah, and mold it to what Brilliant. they want to use it for. Yeah, That's you amazing. know, just more about inspiring people more than teaching anybody anything. But as well, providing that support for trainers uh, or for new trainers, you know, it, it's scary. But if you can have, a, like we said, a bit of support there, whether it's in materials or even reflection. So that's the idea of my, my teacher trainer diaries is to, to, to give my reflections as a trainer. I have my reflections as a teacher as well, uh, but then my reflections as a trainer. And, and so, for example, I've got a number of posts uh, that are going to come out over the next few weeks that look at you know, the workshops that we've done in the academy over the year and the feedback I got from teachers and my own thoughts on them. And, you know, it's not perfect. You know, I look back now and I'm like, that, that's, not, that's not good or we need to change that. But I think the important thing is to get it out there uh, and yeah. to share these experiences. Um, because before I moved into teacher training, uh, you know, that, just that label, trainer, it's like you're up on a pedestal and you kind of, you are. Uh, but it's, when you get there, you're like, oh, crap, I need to, need to have my stuff together now. Um, and you know, we're always talking about reflections as teachers. And I, and I really think that as trainers, and now, like you said, there are many blogs out there, um, you know, for example, Sandy Millen um, and other, other trainers, um, you know, and, and they're quite reflective in that. And that's, that's what I want. I want to provide more of that support to, to you know, new trainers coming through. Um, so speaking yeah, about... Especially, yeah. especially, sorry, especially when, when, when you're making, when you are making that leap let's say, you know, from teacher and you are not quite a trainer there, but you feel that you want to do more than teaching, you know, 
you're there in that limbo. Yeah. And that's when people need support. Yeah. That is the and that's what I'm trying, you know, that's the 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 bridge that I'm trying to create. Brilliant. There. Yeah. Brilliant. So fingers crossed, eh? <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, right? Um, so let's get to the advice section. Uh, you have a teacher that is looking to move into teach training. They've been teaching for a few years, they feel confident. Uh, maybe they've had adults or maybe not, but they're quite critical of their teaching. What advice would you give if we had to say three pieces of advice um, to teachers that are looking to make the move into teacher training? What would you give them? Oh, <laughs> that, that's a tough one. So let's say, okay, so um, first of all, to if, if they are, they're in an environment that doesn't create the opportunities for them, push to right. create those opportunities. Don't be afraid to ask. Literally, if you want to start as a teacher trainer and you want to do, whether it is, uh, whether it's observations or being observed by other members, you know, the team, not just by management, um, whether it's um, creating a workshop and delivering it or just creating it for someone else to deliver it, whatever you feel that you want to do ask the worst thing that can happen they might say no yeah. but at least you've planted a seed in the management's mind and they think okay i've got someone there who is ready to move move forward Brilliant. that's the first i would say just ask and try to create those opportunities second thing um right right whether it's reflections opinions right and um, submit it to uh, um, the journals, you know, like, uh, I can't think of names now. Morning uh, Teacher or somewhere like that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> That's quite embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry, but yes, yeah. Um, so again, you can, you can submit your work and they might say no, but, you know, usually they are very appreciative who, um, of, people who want to write for them and they support they provide support they they will if you need to change something in your article or in your writing you know they will give you suggestions so you know that's another thing you can do um and another thing look around for other opportunities outside your academy so there might be um, other academies who are looking for external trainers mm. so you could help you know obviously on top of your workload but you you know if you want to start and push yourselves in that in yourself in that direction um, see if you can help out and collaborate with other teachers or other teacher training trainers from other academies right so yeah Basically, put yourself out there. Find whatever way, whichever way you can to put yourself out there. Get in contact with other trainers. Get in contact with like-minded teachers because that's very important. Um, that's it, really. Brilliant. Excellent. Yeah, I completely agree with all of them. Um, uh, yeah, I, they're pretty much my advice as well. Um, now, I have a new section of this. I, I did this the first time with, with Rachel last time. 
Uh, and it's about book recommendations uh, for potential trainers or teachers looking to go that way. Do you have any book recommendations uh, for teachers looking to move into training? Yeah, well, there are, oh, to teacher training, there are some books that I've uh, been reading recently, um, but um, they are more related to uh, materials writers. Okay. But saying that, they are not a bad read for teachers and teacher trainers in general, mm. because they help you reflect on your materials or right. what you create, whether it's for your class or for your, you know, for your training. Training sessions, right? Still, yeah. It's still great. And it's uh, the books uh, from um, teacher to trainer. Um, and, uh, and also I am thinking about buying uh, some of the books from um, ETpedia. Yeah. Uh, they've got some lovely titles out, don't they? Yeah. Yes. So that's my next um, my next purchase, I think. Yeah. So yes. So from teacher that's, to trainer. But and, to be honest with you, most of my reading is online, yeah. and I jump from site to site to site to site, and I lose. I can't remember names. I can't remember titles. I'm terrible like that. Yeah. But you know, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's brilliant. That's that's really amazing. Um, well, Monica, I won't keep you any longer. You have been absolutely amazing. It's been brilliant to, you know, uh, delve into your mind, look at some of the things that your thoughts about teacher training um, and, and uh, hopefully our, your advice um, is applicable to, to teachers working, whether it's in a UK context or whether it's somewhere else around the world. Um, I mean, if we can help one teacher uh, be more successful in, in their career, I think that we are successful. Yeah, and hopefully we can create a ripple effect. You know, we help one and one helps another. And Exactly, and so right? Well, Monica, thank you very much for today. Uh, I hope you have a thank lovely day and we'll see you later, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.